We've all heard about powder coating on alternative substrates, but seriously, can you really? Today's guest certainly thinks so, but this is no sales pitch. We drill down what it takes to launch a new innovation and scale the $150 billion paint coatings market. The fact is, it's been a closely guarded secret until now. We're uncovering the facts about how it took a partnership across three industries to bring this product to market. Could it be the beginnings of a whole new industry? Get ready to level up your powder coater game. Today, we welcome Chris Redding from IFS Coatings to the show. Welcome, Chris. How are you doing today? Howdy, I'm doing great. It's uh, January the 8th. I'm looking forward to adding this to my celebration of Elvis's birthday. So, <laughs> Well, we can't say what day we recorded because we're oh, not Oh, never sure. mind. I didn't mean that. I, didn't mean that. <laughs> I don't care. It's okay. Um, uh, we, we sometimes pre-record everything and... Uh, we never know when we're going to launch the episode. But um, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? And I'm, I'm happy to have you here today because um, you're here to kind of introduce us to a new product that you have. But before we get into that, uh, let's hear a little bit more about you and where you come from. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, way back in the old days, uh, let's see. And uh, in 96, I, uh, I was discharged from the Air Force, and uh, my first job uh, outside the military was as, as a, uh, a quality systems manager for a powder coating producer named Cortalt uh, Coatings, uh, which is, it was an English company that's since been acquired and moved on. Um, I was in, on the powder side until, I think, 2002. Uh, in various assignments, finally commercial eventually, uh, but and then moved on the raw material side and was there working, working for a, a couple of different resin companies uh, until uh, really the end of 2018 when IFS kind of appealed to my ego and so I was still young enough to do a new market development again. And so I bought it and uh, here I am, so. Yeah. They are a good company, um, and I got a chance to interview them recently, and um, just kind of really got it. I, I got the culture, I got the products, I got everything um, from them. So i uh, really looking forward to ordering more powder from them uh, this year because, because of the culture that they cultivate there. So I'm happy that you're working for them. I think you'll have an unparalleled experience. I don't know if you heard that any on your other call, but that's a big part of what we are is all about making an it unparalleled is. service, unparalleled quality, everything else. So. Yeah, and just the dedicatedness of the two guys that I interviewed there, they were they they believed in the culture and that's so part so important part of, of any company culture. Mm -hmm. But I wanna know like, okay, so You've had some experience in the, quite a number of years in the business of powder coating, but what drives you today to do 
an innovative product because, you know, powder coatings are kind of like boring. <laughs> you know, are you kidding me? See, I, I must be a geek because I, I, I have. I've always been excited to be in the industry, you know, and, and um, there was a, I think, what was it back um, in 13, I was on the PCI board and, and it was suggested that at the time well, we were just maturing as an industry and, and as a technology and I, I said, hell no, we're, we're uh, that, that declaration of maturity is, is premature because there's a whole lot of places to go. Uh, for powder that we haven't been yet. And, yeah. and that time I was thinking about it, even in the context of metal, uh, but whenever I consider non-metal and something that's at least 10 times bigger than metal, um, man, I'm excited all over again. Yeah. So, I, yeah. You know, uh, you know there, we are still quite young uh, as a finishing technology and, um, you know, no matter when we think we get there, there's always somebody that surprises me with some type of material or process innovation that changes everything again. Uh, when I started, uh, you know, with my, my last company, I was promoting uh, technology for, for low temperature cut, uh, substrates. And, you know, we were thinking at that time, MDF, MDF. Well, well, no, now we're doing hardwoods. Uh, I, know, I know a company doing... Um, they're doing a drywall for prefab housing with powder paint. Uh, they're doing cladding. Uh, yeah. So it keeps getting bigger. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this baby, I, I'm going to say maybe, maybe we're late adolescent as an industry, but we're we're nowhere near. We're still quite young and have quite a ways to go. I agree. Um, that was a trick question. <laughs> But uh, no, I, I agree with you. And I, I I mean, in terms of like a custom coder's point of view, I mean, our projects are widely varied and uh, every day is a challenge or every day is something new that your customer brings you that just, you know. Uh, and I think personally for me, like on social media and wherever I hang out, I'm seeing innovation coming up from the bottom uh, where, Customers are, or custom coders are thinking outside the box, you know, trying to change different ways that they do things or make things faster or just customize it perfectly for them. Um, yeah. And that's exciting to me. Um, so I guess what I meant by that question was it's, it's interesting to see something innovative coming from the top down, I guess, um, because most of it is just line coders ordering powder, just give me my $5.99 per pound powder and I'll be fine, I'll go away and, you know, whatever. But that's what I guess what I mean by that is that it's been, when you came to me with this product, I was just like, oh, wow. Or actually, I found out about it on that podcast with IFS and, and Jason and Kyle. And so uh, that led me to want to talk to you more about this product because it just seemed uh, so incredible. And of course, you know, our background is, we started as painters and we painted a lot of cabinets. So yeah. <laughs> um, when we, you know, it, 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 it intrigued me right away just because we know the troubles of that. And a lot yeah. of powder coaters come from painting, painting background. I don't know how many come from painting cabinets, but it takes over the whole shop. Yeah. Uh, you have to do multiple sides you have to sand in between coats. 
you have to wait for dry times and cure times overnight, maybe longer. Um, it can be a logistical and exhausting nightmare for anybody in that industry. So I get it. I, I get when I saw the product, I got it right away. But how do you, um, and maybe we can kind of start talking about this product because like, how do you convince those that, are you trying to convince those that are already painters into getting into this product? Or are you trying to convince powder coaters to get into this product? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So I, it is a push-pull thing, right? And so yeah. when when I, you know, I believe in you know the concept of look, if somebody's already figured something out, eventually over time and bled for it, maybe you should learn from them before bleeding yourself, right? And if I think about a wonderful story of growing a new market space with a new technology and with no infrastructure in place, I, I, I don't have to go outside of our industry to do that. It was. It was powder paint on metal. I, I got there young enough to see those years where you grew double digits just because you were in the business. And, and, and really, when I asked you know, the, the, the old guard veterans about you know, what happened and how these things advanced, it was always through custom coders. The custom coders were the leading edge, right? So if I take a lot of time and promote to big OEMs, Right? And, and get these guys excited. And I've been through this before, uh, before IFS actually. On, on, when I was running around with partner companies and we're going to these great big brands that everybody recognizes and get them very excited. And then the first thing they ask me is, okay, who can I send this to to get coded? Well, I kind of don't have anybody yet, right? <laughs> and, 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 and so I would say, okay, well, all you have to do is decommission your line, install a powder line, train a bunch of people, teach them how to do it, learn how to do it yourself, and then switch. And, and nobody was buying into that. And so come back to basics and say, what do I need first? I need, uh, uh, I've got the equipment side partners in play, people I trust that know their business that work for me with me on development and everything else to create this robust solution. And it doesn't happen without a coder. And so my first horizon key thrust in, in IFS has been I got to develop a community of, of custom coders. Yeah. So like I said, I joined about two years ago. We got some a, a few folks really psyched up and okay, let's begin to look at what we can do to bring in the right equipment, the right ovens and all that. And then we had this lovely COVID-19 thing come across. <laughs> and uh, and it kind of just took the wind out of the sails, right? So you keep up the conversation and say, gee, yeah, when I can fly up and see you again, you know, we'll get back on this path. But I'm happy today to say that, you know, we got a nice pipeline of coders, uh, got a couple established, got a nice pipeline of, 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 of folks that are saying, yeah, we're going to do this and are connecting to our commitment community, uh, to our equipment community, and they're learning the things they need to do, and figuring out, let's get these things installed. You know, this, it, it, Europe, unfortunately, is a little ahead of us. You know, they, they started there a few years back with the, uh, 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 very low cure system and new technology. And, and they've got, I think, about a dozen coders out there. Uh, some of them, you know, began as coders and, and, and have 
just in their local communities, found folks that wanted to outsource a bunch of, of like cabinet doors. And then they just say, the heck with it, we'll go in the cabinet business. So it's funny. I mean, the biggest adopter is the, uh, I suppose I shouldn't name them, but the world's largest ready to assemble furniture manufacturer. So they've got a coder in uh, uh, Eastern Europe and, and they're doing about between bathroom vanities and uh, day beds, uh, over 9,000 units a day, yeah. right? And so it comes along pretty nicely, but I don't know. It goes along with their culture if, it, if we're talking about the same people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it kind of goes along with their culture. Right. They've and, always and been leading edge. It was very cool. Um, if we think about MDF, which you know is is, is probably the, the 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 most RTA furniture is MDF, and a lot of cabinet doors are MDF. Um, but you know, one of the big things was the moisture resistance properties uh, that, that are out there for things like thermal foil and liquid finishes. Um, the the guy that I'm talking about in Eastern Europe that does the cutting for the big RTA manufacturer actually have a bathroom vanity inside the front door of their uh, uh, building encased in a bathroom shower. And they, they oh. run the shower over it. So that when people come in, they say, yeah, that was that's an MDF powder coated bathroom vanity. It's been wow. there four that's years cool. and there's not a crack or peel on it. To get a video of that on your website. Yeah, well, if I, next time I get to Eastern Europe, I'm gonna get some Yeah, videos. right, yeah. But yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a great solution and, and value add for the end customer that we all got to keep in mind while we're still thinking about these process things, right? It's great that you know both uh, the European market and the American market. I'm, I'm sure that's a strength that, that you can play to for sure in terms of understanding the differences. It's, it's great to have people there who have a few years under their belt that I can call and talk to and, and, and learn from their experience. I've also had opportunity to take a couple of our prospective coders into Europe and walk through some of these facilities and they always welcome us in. So, so that aspect, it does help a lot because when the proof of the pudding is a few thousand miles away, you ought to know some people a few thousand right. miles away. And what do they think of us? Do they think that America is kind of behind because they're so forward thinking? Their laws and their I think that's a pretty well-known reality that we tend to be more conservative, uh, you know, it, it, about adopting uh, new things because we're pragmatic. I think in America, we, we don't do things just because they're new. Um, we, we tend to want to know that uh, this is proved. Um, you know, sometimes I, I wish we could be a little more adventurous in that context, but uh, but you know, I can either hope or I can acknowledge reality. Uh, but the beautiful thing is, hey, America, guess what? It's proved. And, and, and there's a great big market to serve and buckets of money to be made. So, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. And I think we like our rules and our standards and our, you know, we like to quantify things that way. Right. Just yeah. In America. Yeah. yeah so I, I guess the risk averse in some ways. But, uh, yeah. But, you know, once we catch on, we tend to. We tend to, to, to catch on very quickly. And yeah, to I think that that's a challenge for something that's new is to get gain that momentum. Uh, yeah. And just, uh, I think there's some kind of rule about that, you know, saturation or 
ten percent or whatever the whatever it is. There's the, there's some formula for it, I'm sure. Yeah. So let's get into the product. Um, let's uh, let's talk about. Do you want to bring up the first slide or? Maybe I'm gonna let you choose which slide you wanna to go to because you have a, a presentation that you normally have. Yeah, and I won't walk through slides with everybody. We'll just, we'll just kind of refer to them, but you know, we, we start out kind of talking about, uh, here we go. And can you see that? Just let me know if it's sharing properly, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I we're talking about- in, I would probably put it in presentation mode if, yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, so so we were talking a little bit about, you know, when all this started, really, I think in, in the 90s with, um, uh, you know, with, with the catalyzed of thermoset systems, with UV systems, um, and things like that. And without walking through those, particularly uh, talking in general about the challenges that were there and um, the historic challenges that, that and where we are now. Um, you know, we began, look, we have a temperature sensitive substrate. So we're running. Yeah, so what yeah. are we, let's, I, I think we've been kind of hinting all along what we're talking about, but for those that haven't gotten it yet, mm -hmm. what are we talking about when we're talking about pure clad? What is it? What does it do? Yeah, so so pure clad is the brand that we assigned our product family of products for non-metal substrates, right? So those today include, uh, uh, obviously where we started was uh, the MDF and HDF, the engineered woods, but uh, we since moved on to natural wood species, hardwoods, things like that, um, fiberglass, um, you know, and gosh, you know, we talk about drywall, <laughs> uh, cladding, these type of things. So every time, I look at it and think we've kind of figured out where we're going to go with this as far as opportunity space. Mm -hmm. The space gets bigger. So essentially, it's anything that can handle the time at the temperature uh, that we can adhere to uh, is, is what's included in it. Okay. So it's, it's, I mean, right but now, your main, I'm just, yeah. But your main sales pitch right now is putting it on MDF and wood products, right? That's yeah. kind of what your focus is. That's kind of the main thrust. And, and, and you know, it's it's always the case with job shops that uh, it, it, with with job shops, to me, the, the custom coders, it's almost like watching Brent Favre play football. He would back up in the back and you'd look at where he was going to throw it. And you'd say, no, 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 no. And then, then you go, yes, because they caught it, right? And he pulled it off. And, and, and that seems to happen a lot. And that's, you know, like I had a guy just doing MDF. The next thing you know, he's showing me these uh, fiberglass gun stocks that he's powder coated. Wow. You so see, you're just, yeah. I mean, that that's the beauty of custom coders, you know. The beautiful creativity of, of the custom coder community. So anyway, it's getting that cure because, uh, we, 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 you know, you, you don't want to have to tell a customer that he's got to buy a more expensive substrate for the honor of using your powder, right? And so we want to work on, on what's there. Um, we've got our cure now at, at, at three minutes at about 265, three or four minutes at 265F. Uh, and I'll talk more about the chemistry part as we, as yeah. we go through. But I think that the, the key thing to know is that this um, the solution that really come about as a collaboration with our raw material suppliers um, is, is that, that 
we're segregating flow and cure from one another. So mm-hmm. this, this system will allow it to flow out until it hits 265. And then once we hit 265, wham, boy, there's just an avalanche of reactivity and, and the whole curing, the curing can happen. So we get all that time to flow out before we start curing. Wow. So we can not, not only cure this low, we can also flow and flow and flow. So is this only for line coders or, or is it for batch coders too? And it, it, you know, it, it can work both ways. You have to start looking at scale and efficiency and what makes sense economically, right? Right. But, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, IFS is a company that's in the business of finding a way to say yes. I mean, so our, our commitment is, you know, when, when you know, a custom coder is, is you know, ready to take the steps to, to, to get into this, look, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna help you to find a way to say yes and, and, and to get into that. Right. So, You're partnering with people yeah. to make it yeah. happen, whatever, if they've got the need for it or they know they can pivot to it, then yeah. Um, yeah, so it's you know when it makes sense, we we find a way. But but there's not a reason uh, that that it can't be done in a in a batch system versus a very large system. I mean, a lot of things like if uh, you know just stop shooting real quick. And if if I'm looking at this right, so this is a piece of maple wood that has a clear coat that has been tinted to replace a stain, right? And so here, boy, the the uh, the film thickness has to be just about perfect, right? And 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 so I I would say don't get into this without automatics, right? Right. And without some. Well, I don't know how you how this relates to like the old school method of painting, okay? But staining maple <laughs> is the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. To do it is out of everything cherry, uh, mahogany, uh, any you know any of the other top uh, pine even or uh, is crazy, uh, crazy hard to in yeah. it in it it does this unevenness which lends itself to having to put some kind of a layer in between. Uh, you know we're getting kind of technical in the. Yeah. You know, we're all we were all yeah. self-taught, but we figured that stuff out too ourselves. And it's it was a, it's a it's it's the worst nightmare you want to have is something yeah. coated unevenly. You know, yeah. because that's not what the buyer, you know, uh, the furniture buyer is going to want, right? Is they don't want it yeah. dark and then light, and they want it even, right? So the eye just wants that too. It's yeah. Well, uh, the best treatment I ever heard about it. It was right to the point. I was in Alabama visiting a cabinet, cabinet manufacturer and, and they're talking about staining. And a guy that just is like a, a uh, what do you call it? When somebody, like a doppelganger for Forrest Gump <laughs> says to me, staining is hard work. <laughs> so and I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that pretty much sums it up. But anyway, it took you off track a little bit there. No, but. not at all. I mean, I, I, I get it. And and when I looked at that sample just now, the it was hard to convey through the camera, but uh, it it was so evenly coated with a stain. That's amazing, you know, because it's laying on the surface, and that's why so many cabinet. Yeah. Uh, 
stainers or cabinet painters today uh, want or like the water-based ones because they lay on the surface, they don't penetrate the surface like oil-based stains do. So, uh, you know, it made it easier to switch over to these uh, for me uh, and for us, it was easier for us to start adopting more of the uh, latex-based or, or water-based stains as long yeah. as you learned the process and you had to develop your own process, obviously oil stains are much easier to work with in terms of moving the content around, but uh, the better ones to have were the latex ones if you could master them. And that's the thing, you had to master those first because they dry quickly, you have to move it across the surface. If you don't move fast enough, it starts drying on you, then you've got other redundancy problems happening, you know? Uh, yeah. So it seems like, you know, on the onset, this is already solving. So, you know, and the problem is, is that you've got painters that know these problems. Powder coaters don't always know those problems or those um, idiosyncrasies right. that happen within the staining part. But it sounds like you're you're talking to the right people when in getting that understanding. You know. Yeah. Well, I um, certainly understand it's hard work, and 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 and, and honestly. Like I said, I wouldn't try it without automatic guns and and, and and knowing that I could really control film thickness because it does shadow a lot with film thickness variation. But yeah. you know, there's 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 robust you know things to be able to, to 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 do that. But that's just you know one kind of extreme example, you know. But I think the the coolest part is that 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 finish was done entirely from from start to finish in about seven minutes. So. Yeah, that that's that uniformity uh, is um, flawless if you can achieve it, and that's that's the really cool thing. Um, is now kind of we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I mean, in addressing that uniformity, part of that is the moisture, right? Is isn't that? Electrostatics are a big part of it, right? Um, you know, and I think if you go back to the early days of thermoset systems for MDF, they're still out there today. Um, you know, you, 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 your process was really such that, well, I, I can name them because they're no longer around, but uh, the old Morton system from way back, right? It, it, you'd have about 15 minutes in a, a preheat oven, and the idea was basically to drive all the moisture out of that board mm -hmm. so that you would not gas. And, and, and then whenever the application happened, you had a dry board that was really hot and so the paint would stick to it, like flocking. Right. Then we got about another 10 minutes in a cure oven, right? Um, mm -hmm. Well, this necessitated using really high quality substrate that was able to take that, right? Mm -hmm. But with this, the, the advancements that have happened now with chemistry, and particularly with oven systems, indispensable, um, we actually, that moisture becomes our friend. Uh, we use it to ground the parts. So whenever I'm putting paint on a, a piece of uh, MDF, I only want the surface temperature to be about like a hot summer day in Texas, around 120 mm -hmm. F. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm not flocking, I'm actually grounding and I'm actually electrostatically applying that paint. Um, and so, if I, you know, this is where I begin to talk about the ovens because it's catalytic IR. And I'll I'll I'll, I'll flip to a slide in a minute that'll explain why. But that uh, innovation uh, 
Wow, changed everything uh, in terms of what we could do without damaging these substrates. Yeah. So how, I mean, in talking, do you want to flip to that slide or do you want to continue talking about? Yeah, let, 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 let me just kind of hit through these and uh, we can go from there, but just. And it, one to, of the things you talk about. To be able to apply to non-conductive. Yes, we, we talked about that uniformity of the, on something that is not really conductive, right? Um, yeah. How you can achieve Some that. Some cool That's, stuff. That is cool. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other things. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, I'll hit them up. Um, yeah, this was it also too. A lot of the cured film would often be uh, pretty brittle, especially when we think about UV systems, right? Mm -hmm. But wood doesn't behave after it's cut. It likes to move around as it right. absorbs and, and releases moisture. So we had to have something that was flexible, right? Um, yes. So the, the, really the chemistry now, the example of the bathroom vanity and the shower stall in, in Eastern Europe is a great example of saying, hey, that problem is solved, guys. Yeah, clearly. Um, and I think really if I wrap it all up, the, the last part was, was you know, could we collaborate as a value chain, right? That is raw material, powder supplier, equipment supplier, oven supplier, and all get together and figure out what we had to do to make a system work. And mm -hmm. so like when I talk to people, I don't just talk to them by myself. I've got a whole lot of people behind me from throughout the value chain to, uh, to make it happen. And I guess really the last piece of that puzzle is, is the custom coder. Uh, and I think once we have, have that in place, which I think is real soon, then, then I switch to the, back to the life of going and getting OEMs excited about this technology and setting those for yeah, I think adoption is probably what you're facing right now is it can, it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's like scaling a huge architectural wall. <laughs> That's how I feel about the patina powder coat um, that we're trying to introduce and stuff. It's just, it's such a huge market. Um, kitchen and bath is such a huge market. Um, Massive, yeah. How do you get the attention of the right people? Well, it depends on which group of right people I'm talking to. If if I, if it's like uh, if if that group is you know custom coders, um, I like to show. I'll show one slide here. Uh, yeah, I talk about what is the business potential. Mm -hmm. And do you just, I mean, obviously up until COVID-19 happened and conventions went out the door, I mean, were you doing like con conventions and stuff? Yeah, as much as I could, you know, but the, oh, let me get this. See, I'm so terrible with no slides, but let me get to what I wanted. Okay, so if I'm talking to a customer coder, I gotta say, what, what are you interested in? Well, you're interested in business and growing it profitably. Um, this is directly off a, uh, a, a website that a cabinet uh, door manufacturer has. And this is, uh, you can go just search for cabinet fronts, MDF cabinet fronts, things like this. And you'll find this company or one like them. And they yeah. publish their prices online and you can order from them. Switch um, back to the um, smaller, your, your PowerPoint, because I think with this size that I'm looking at, I'm not seeing that okay. third door. Oh, there's only two on oh, there. That's oh, okay. Right. I thought, okay. Right. Okay. Yeah, because I got a couple. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple comparisons, right? 
uh, all right. There so this go. is, yeah, so this is on oh, that's the other one. Yeah. Right. right? You, we've all been to Home Depot looking for ca cabinets, right? We yeah. all know the differences. So, yeah. So this is solid born painted uh, MDF, I mean, maple front. Uh, it, it, you can buy it bare for $25 a square foot, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to get primer on it, then want another 15 bucks a square foot. If you want it fully painted, they want almost $19. So that's a 76% markup yeah. just for the painting. And I will tell you this, there's, there's probably, I don't know, you know, if I get to about 10,000, I stop counting cabinet manufacturers in the US spread out all over the place and they all do finishing and they all freaking hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So this is a, a, this is one thing. I mean, this is hardwoods, and hardwoods actually isn't the most extreme example because guess what? You know, I can usually finish that hardwood to a white in about three or four coats and achieve yeah. the opacity I need, right? But well, I, here's another one competing against is thermal foil. Mm -hmm. And thermal foil, I just gotta say, PVC thermal foil is bad stuff. It's bad news. It doesn't. It, you can't recycle the stuff. Uh, it, it, it emits some some pretty nasty stuff over time. But the worst part is the performance just stinks. Uh, it, it, it peels off a of cabinet and cracks in time. If yeah. you've got it near your sink or near your oven, or if it's near a window, it yellows, but it delaminates and it's awful stuff. But anyway, yeah. for the pleasure of using the stuff, they want another $12 a square foot. So, so as pattern, as, as you... Powder cutters out there, listen to this. And think about what they're charging for square foot and think about possibilities and call me. Um, now here's the grand, grand all, right? Which is MDF. MDF loves to soak up paint. Mm -hmm. Consequently, it takes several layers to get opacity with MDF. Now imagine this, they, they, they sand that, that bare piece and then they put a primer on it and then they put it through a cure process and then they sand it again and then they put another now they put a lacquer coat on mm -hmm. and then they run through a cure process and then they sand it again tell me if i'm boring you because to finish the thing i gotta say that about five more times yeah and you can't get stains yeah. And if so, you do, they're kind of fakey looking stain, you know, wood, it's not like, you, you can only this. do solid colors, right? Yeah. It, I, well, it, it, no, no, you can't do solids on, on MDF, but, but here's the big deal. It's white paint. I can powder coat that one layer with a superior looking finish, every bit as good a flow, mm -hmm. and I can do it in seven minutes. That's For like them, name your tune. Yeah, but for them, it's such a headache. Look, they're charging more for the paint than they are for the door. Yeah, wow, it's true. They It does suck up a lot of paint, for sure. Yeah. And, and I think and, the minimal, the build time on the MDF is much easier uh, than maybe uh, a solid wood door. Uh, but then you got, yeah. it's such a labor intensive market, it's insane. It really needs it innovation. It really does, Chris. I'm so happy that you're doing this because I'm getting it more. And I'm like, 
just building the doors and the boxes uh, is so labor intensive. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I remember my old interior design days where I was, you know, it was just insane what you had to, what you had to do to build a box. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the technical term, I think is, it's a big flipping deal, right? That, that we have something that is so bad, such an antiquated technology is liquid paint out there still being used for this. Yeah. Uh, it, especially when I start looking at some of the, the consequences for the environment, for workers, uh, you know, look up the terms painter's disease. Oh, yeah, I already know all about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's folks whose lives are ruined. And, and, and you know, I'm a Most custom. Most of the painters I know are yeah. alcoholics. Yeah. Because they <laughs> smell paint all day long and they got a painter's headache. Then they go and they start drinking their six packs or their 12 packs or their 30 packs. And yeah. they do that to make the headache go away so they can go back to bed. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Go up, get up and do it all over again. I mean, it's uh, it's not a very yeah. <clears throat> it's it's something that needs to change for sure. Nobody needs Absolutely. to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I actually had a girlfriend of mine who used to paint cabinets, um, and she would only paint them in oil. Now I was HBLP, but she would hand paint them. She was that good of a painter. Right. Uh, she would actually hand paint them instead of taking them off, the labor of taking them off, taking them to your shop and all of that, she would actually go to the condo and paint, hand paint them. And she died of cancer. Uh, and wow. it came on so suddenly. Uh, and it, it was, um, it was just, you know, just the nicest person didn't have, didn't have a drug problem, didn't have alcohol problem or anything like that. Just hung out in enclosed spaces, painting oil paints for way too long every day yeah. of her life. And she died very quickly and it happens. So yeah. I get it. Well, I, I mean, there's, there's that aspect. I mean, you look at, you know, what do we put into our environment in terms of uh, hazardous volatiles? Yeah. Um, you know, if I, and it's just such bad business too. If, you know, uh, excuse me, I'll share the screen again. Uh, I burned out my eyes a little bit with the uh, sunlight trying to close that blind, but, um, so look, I mean, oh geez, every time there we go. Um, I just put this slide together just to just to you know make it like as apparent as I could, right? Yeah. So if I, I if I've got a, a bucket of liquid paint and I, and I try to analyze, okay, what is going to happen to what's in that bucket? Well, you know, if I'm very good, I can have maybe sixty five percent transfer efficiency, right? And that's mm -hmm. if I'm very good at spraying, right? Most companies aren't are nowhere near that good. Well, that that overspray is gone forever, right? Um, it, with a thirty percent, which is or this one actually was thirty three percent solids, right? Right up front, the, the, everything that's not solids is waste, right? Mm -hmm. So so that's gone, another big chunk. Uh, and when I sand layer after layer after layer, and I have yeah, to take you're it off, it away, right? right? I'm estimating you're losing about 5% of the paint you bought. And so you're getting about 10% of that bucket of paint actually on the part, <laughs> right? And so it, it, and if you look, you say, for somebody's really good, like an industrial paint for the biggest kind of manufacturer that anybody can imagine, but 
you know, I got from them that they were like around $30 a gallon for this stuff. Right. And I'm thinking, and, and, some, and on the line, there's the ever present paint guy from the big, big company, uh, paint company, who's doing the tinting for them, right? And he just lives there. He's part of the company. <laughs> he's got a big grin on his face and he's happy as hell. Well, yeah, he's happy because he's selling 30% solids for $50 a gallon. Right? Yeah, the price just keeps going up. It's amazing. When we first started in painting, you know, obviously a lot of what we were painting were oil-based because in Hawaii, it just seemed like the best alternative because I didn't want these people calling me back. You know, I would one and done out the door, you know, like don't call me back. I saw stuff where I painted, you know, we were using the Minwax oil-based polyurethane and, uh, you know, I'd go back seven years later because they had some other stuff they wanted me to go do. And they're like, oh, you painted our dining room table like seven years ago and it still looks brand new. I'm like, that's amazing. You know, like yeah. I was very proud of that moment, but at the same time, like I didn't want to have, I didn't want to see these people again. Right. You know, like that's why I did what I did. But um, when we first got into the industry, I mean, I think we were paying $30 for a gallon of, um, uh, I want to say it was uh, um, uh Oh, yeah. brand or whatever for their oil base um gallon for a solid coat whatever solid color uh and um by the time i it within the 10 years that we've done that it had gone from 30 dollars a gallon to 60 dollars a gallon that's how part of it is regulation like they got slapped with a bunch of laws that they had to comply to like you know whatever yeah. i think a lot of they were blaming that and then who knows just the cost of um oil yeah yeah well you know another place where we can kind of help these guys because a lot of them really need to get like their solvents emissions down their, their voc limits down mm -hmm. um and i just mentioned this because i just thought of it but you know we talk about all those layers to get opacity uh, actually, if I give them a, a, a board that's primered with powder, the, regardless of the color, whatever, how, li how light a shade, we were getting opacity in one layer. Mm -hmm. So folks that really like that liquid finish, that, that you know, prefer it and have to have it, we could still save them a bunch of money and time by eliminating a lot of layers with, it, with a primer system. Yeah. A lot of times when I was seeing, like, people, like, bigger companies, um, like Home Depot brands, the lower price brands and stuff. I mean, I, I got so good. I could see how they were, you know, I could understand how they were doing it, you know, yeah. and that's, that's kind of what they're doing is, is they're, they're using a, a very small amount of base coat and then they'll add in the color pigments, then their yeah. clear, clear coat all in one, just to kind of shoot it uh, to eliminate some of that. But the problem is, is if you make a mistake in that process, you basically have to start all over. It's like shooting a rim, you know, and then you mess up or something contaminated or whatever, and you have to start, throw it in the stripper, start yeah. all over again. So there, there, there's some risk involved there with having these shortcut methods um, to staining and painting cabinets. But I think this, this kind of could possibly eliminate that um, somehow, you know, or maybe yeah. minimize the mistake level. And I don't know how many 
the more the more automated it is obviously the, the you know the better you're going to do but yeah you know, the, 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 and you've always got that you've always got that um what is it oxum's razor or you know just that faraday cage problem it's where you can't get into that corner or that right. that inner yeah. edge or that inner corner and you know a lot of times if i was a lot of times I was painting my finishes with the HVLP. So, you know, I had to come in, dial it down to more of an airbrush kind of appeal to uh, to get into that corner and then go a little heavier over it. And that's how I was getting through, uh, getting through those uh, spacers. But when they're a massive company and they're doing boom, 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 major, major, they, they don't have time to you know, their uh, corners and, don't and, look as good, you know. Yeah, I mean, you probably wouldn't be surprised, but I was, you know, going to major operations of wood cutting on a big scale. But like there were the QC department was just insane. It just how many people they had doing well, it was QC and touch up and yeah. just amazing amount of rework. So, yeah, with Petter, we uh, what we and if have, you're a good company, you're probably at about 10 percent throwback. You know what yeah, I mean? Or, it, it's, right? it's remarkable how, how 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 bad it really is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and that that adds it throws. They just have to increase the price per cabinet because of that. You know. Yeah. Um, so they've yeah. got to calculate that in their overhead and stuff. It's it's a tough game. I I wouldn't get into it without powder. <laughs> right. <do> right. <laughs> what you know now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I just wouldn't know, do it. Not a chance. Didn't have that cho choice. 10, 20 years ago, right? So, yeah. so um, I guess that's kind of like, I guess the one hiccup I have, and maybe you can pull up the slide with the process, that sure. process slide. Um, but the first thing I thought of was, okay, you've sanded it, um, whether it's wood or MDF or done any of that stuff, you know, and, and you've, you've done your method of prep and production uh, part where you've sanded it, it's ready for its first code or it's ready for the start of the process. Yeah. The first thing I thought of was, okay, you blow it off, um, you you wipe it down. Uh, you know, obviously when you're painting like a rim or something like that, you still have those same processes that you must, you've got to blow off all that extra uh, metal that came through on the <clears throat> sandblasting or maybe you've got some residual uh, blast dust on there and stuff. Uh, in that sense, after you're done doing all that, there's still going to be some level of um, residual dust in still on that surface. As much as you blow it off, wipe it off, wipe it down, whatever. Ha has Have you had any you know, that's a good question, but, but no, no, not really. I mean, um, if I mean, obviously you've got to segregate where you're where you're coating from where you're you're sanding, right? Right. So, you know, because if you get it in the air, hey, it's it, it's it's going to wind up on a part. But I don't see, haven't seen that really as an issue. Oh, um, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I should actually when I talk about the process, I should start with the uh, let's see. I should start with this one, actually, because this is a. If we talk about pre-treat, you know, I don't have any chemicals involved, right? Mm -hmm. But I, but I do want to make sure that the wood is in the 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 humidity or moisture uh, space that I need it to be. 
Uh, and to do that is just a, a matter of you know, maintaining it in an environment with a constant humidity that's kind of in this range that you see on the screen. Mm -hmm. So with this temperature on the left, humidity on the right, you see it's a pretty broad, broad range, right? Um, I can tell you what happened in Europe was a lot of companies would start with a room that was humidity controlled and mm -hmm. store the wood in it overnight uh, to condition it. But they find out really you can, you can condition thousands of square feet with hundreds of dollars. And, and it, it's quite a simple thing to do to control your humidity. Um, and so eventually they just do the whole, whole, whole uh, Yeah, they were already kind of poised for that anyways, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to throw that in because that is something that's different. Um, but yeah, I mean, with your moisture content, you know, stabilized between say five to 8%, I think with what we call the FFT technology, we can go a little higher than that and be more forgiving. Um, but it generally, you know, the sanding, if you, you know, as you know, from having, you know, finished uh, wood before, right, the, the, the appearance of your finish relies a lot on the topography of that substrate, right? So unfortunately, we can't eliminate sanding. Now, if, if you want to go with some heavy textures or something, uh, we can definitely minimize it. But if you want to smooth, it's only going to be as smooth as that finish. So right. And I guess I, that's where I was going with the question was, like, um, you know, if you've got a human prepping that surface, yeah. uh, you know, they may not see the little dust particle that they missed or, uh, you, you know, know it's, I, it seems that seems intuitive. I just actually, I mean, even in our little lab that, that we do, I really don't see that, you know, like sawdust contamination being a, being a, a problem. I mean, I, I, it seems like it ought to be, but, uh, right. But no, not really. I mean, okay. uh, we sand it, we blow it off, and we're good to go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, if you're working with someone big enough to where they have an actual separate area where they're separating their dirty room and their clean room kind of thing. I think you have to have some type of yeah. something there uh, because you, you would have the sawdust. And, you know, if you're over cutting and, and milling and everything else, that definitely has to be segregated somehow. Yeah. You know, uh, but, you know, a lot of the larger operations, their their powder, their finishing operations, going to have a positive air control, right? Positive air right. pressure um, that's breathing out and keeping that dust from coming in anyway. But those are the type of controls that you know, we already deal with on the metal side, and we're, we're pretty darn familiar with, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to. You know, my guy sanding and, and and cutting wood right next to where my spray booth is. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, you definitely need when you're in that business, you need a lot of square footage. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, so we had I, our process pretty good. I mean, we still had a small shop. Um, and so we were doing everything all in one room, but mm -hmm. uh, we were me very methodical about it. So, um, and Ross obviously handled a lot of the maintenance and janitorial responsibilities, but, um, you know, we just, uh, just had a method that we had to follow. And anytime we ever deviated from it, it didn't, you know, something <laughs> had to be shot over or whatever, you know. Yeah. Those shortcuts that save you so much time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, for, you know, this is probably starting to look, you know, from here on out, from kind of like metal coating, right? So yeah, kind of focus on the differences. Obviously we, we can still do line densities that are much higher than you can do with liquid finishes. Mm -hmm. um, so if we're talking about just you know, 
if somebody's looking to push a whole lot through a line very quickly, we can still, those benefits are still there. Um, preheat is a pretty constant part of our process for engineered woods. For natural woods, sometimes it's not uh, necessary, but what we're looking to do there is just get that surface temperature up hot enough to homogenize the moisture content. Mm-hmm. And that's the electrostatic properties. Um, but you know what? I'll talk uh, with, without it getting boring. Uh, I'll say beginning of this to the end of it is around a seven minute process. Uh, so, so it's, it, it's, yeah, it's that really is quick. incredible. I mean, the, can you imagine the amount of, I mean, just to cut that down to seven minutes, uh, yeah. that alone would be like, sign me up. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I, well, I'll talk about a, a big part of the reason that it's possible. Cause I don't want to do this without, cause this is one of the kings. Anytime I get a somebody email that pure clad address, you know, it's always the first thing I got to explain. You know, um, yeah. is that gee, if you don't have this oven tech, you, you really shouldn't get into this. And, and really, right. this is this is why. Um, <clears throat> this is from a, a IR special photometer right? of energy at different spaces along the wavelength of IR radiation, right? Well, there happens to be at this between four and five, three and four micron wavelength, uh, this wonderful spot where powder paint and other organic materials love to absorb energy. Mm-hmm. And so th- what, th- what this means is, you know, like if I give you a tech data sheet for a powder that, I, that you might buy for our metal coatings, it may say, um, you know, 400 degrees Fahrenheit, metal temperature for 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. Everybody's familiar with that. Well, this technology that what, I'm, what I send you is they say, I say I want uh, 265 degrees Fahrenheit for four, four and a half, five minutes, right? Um, but I say surface temperature because if with this oven, I don't need to heat up the substrate in order to cure the paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really minimizes the amount of heat that I'm delivering into that material. Uh, and, and it's perfect with heat-sensitive substrates. Uh, just as a rule of thumb, because these have, uh, and I, I start to sound like an oven sales guy, I'll let you know that I'm not. I just think this is a really cool thing. Um, if, if, if you're looking at catalytic IR versus convection, uh, Rule of thumb is about one third of the time you'll, you'll be able to achieve your, your cure in about one third of the time that you're now achieving. Right? And, and that's kind of a big deal. So if you have 15 minutes uh, at 400 cure time, well, now we're thinking five minutes at 400. Mm-hmm. So in terms of productivity, it's amazing. But in terms of non-metal substrates, I would say it's um, um, not just amazing, it's, it's essential. So right. two categories there, uh, just pictures on the bottom, the, the gas system, you won't see the colors, right? Uh, this is mm-hmm. electric on the right. Um, I'll just quickly talk about, well, this is for the FFT, like we, don't, we won't even sell it to you without it. So <laughs> that's, a, that's how essential we think it is, right? Uh, so you've got the oven, the powder, or the uh, chemical formulation, yeah, then, I'll, I'll talk about the, some of the application tricks. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, so, kind of share real quick is that you got two options to get in this catalytic range, and it's gas and electric. Uh, and just like the, the, the electric's going to be cheaper to buy. Uh, they have wonderful controls. Uh, they work just fine, um, and, and they have some advantages. But gas generally is going to be a lot more forgiving and a lot lower operating costs over the long yeah. term. So. Just to hit I don't know. I beg to differ. Our, our electric ovens save us lots of money, but is that right? Well, we pay very, very high gas prices here, so uh, uh, yeah. But, so it's going to depend on where you are, right? Because I think yeah. I think around here, it's you know, I mean, gas. You're talking about something like two cents a kilowatt hour versus electric, somewhere around yeah, twelve, yeah. right? Yeah, it's yeah, I, I, yeah. I think so, it's. You know, but I, I, you know, Ross likes the electric, not just because of that, but because there's a lot of other, uh, I think the cook is a little bit more even at least the way he builds the oven. Uh, he finds that it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some of the, the, the controls are amazing. The precision that you can do with it is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, going from metal to wood, you know, like I say, it works for wood. But what I find is that gas is more forgiving for us. Yeah, because we all we want to get that wavelength on, and with the gas, there's such a wide distribution of that wavelength to hit all surfaces. Whereas with with, with electric, it's it's a lot more. Uh, I'd say confined to its borders. Um, um. So, how has been the reception so far in the industry? And I know you're just getting started, and COVID happened, and all of that. So, how have you? Um, have you had a lot of pushback or have you had a lot of like scratching heads? Have you had of like, I need more proof? Have I, you think, had I think, I think most, most folks get it right. And, and, you know, out of the folks that get it, um, I always say, you know, that say one out of five out of one out of five out of one out of five is an early adopter. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, right. You know, because, you know, like I, I'm convinced of a lot of things that are wonderful ideas, right? Like, uh, um, should I, you know, it would, wouldn't it be cool if I could have a chateau in, in, in the southern part of Paris, right? And, and, and I'm into that idea, right? But if you if you go with a thousand people and you ask them, is that a great idea? Would you love it? They go, hell yeah, I would, right? And you say, okay, it's going to take a little investment. It's going to take a little learning. It's going to take a little risk. Well, mm -hmm. you just lost 8%. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I think for everybody, I mean, you know, because look, IFS isn't in this to lose money, right? We're, right. we're not out of it. I mean, I feel, feel great about it, what we're doing, you know, for the environment and what we're doing for people and, 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 and the ultimate effect is really good, but we don't want to do it at a loss, right? So, right. you know, it's always you're looking and you say, okay, this is speculative. It, it, there's, we've invested mightily in it. Right, uh, uh, our, you know, our suppliers, our allied suppliers, have, have, have all invested. My, we all bought into it and say we're going to get this done. Right. Right. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't have a plan B. <laughs> I don't have a plan B. So I either make this work or so long, Reading, and I'll be banished to some, I don't know, French chateau in the south. You know. <laughs> right. And oh, that right. was that, that best was, case scenario. It was funny because after reading through everything uh, on the link, which will be in the, just if anybody's interested, we'll make sure to put that, those links you shared with us um, in the podcast episode. But 
like that was that was kind of like why take that risk it, you know why uh i mean it's always great to hear innovations or about someone innovating um you know we too are innovators so we get it but i know that a lot of people would probably look at this and go why take the risk why why do this why why yeah. beat your head up against the wall till it's bloody trying to talk to people about something that you know you know when you look as and this is i think a message for for all of us and and, and all powder people and and especially the pci powder people like me you know because I was talking about, we're not done growing. We're not, there's a lot more place for us to go. And you got to put it in your heart and make it your cause if you're going to be one of those folks that that, that, that went a lot from it. Because think about our story in the middle. And, you know, it started out with people that, man, this is risky business. We're going we're gonna to take this, you know, take paint, take all the liquid out of it, charge it up and put it on stuff. And people are going to buy it. Yeah, right. Well, somebody bought into that stupid idea <laughs> and now look at us, right? Yeah. So it all begins with that. I think, you know, it's, you know, I, I'm not by nature a crazy risk taker. I, I'm, I'm quite conservative, but like I said, I don't have a plan B because I'm, I'm pretty darn sure about this because the math just yeah. adds up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And sharing and conveying that passion you have for it, you know, it can be infect infectious in and of itself, you know? Yeah, well, I'm not sure about that video that you have, the animated video. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what that was? That was like, okay, we got, we got to throw something out of here. Yes, okay. this stuff. I liked it Did a lot, you? <laughs> and it, it and it really, I'm 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 kind of hurt that you're not amazed by it because it's pretty amazing. Don't you worry, we'll get some more expensive videos out eventually, but. I thought it was pretty good and, and you, you desperately hurt. I felt that the cartoon characters were not something they were they weren't convincing enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that's your opinion. Animation was not convincing enough for me. I did it on the cheap, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> But, uh, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you okay. out. It's okay. Tell you what, we'll, we'll have more video. We'll have some some more kind of live video going, I think. Uh, <laughs> what you need is some sexy mama with her little, like, you know, her baby and her glass of wine or something <laughs> in the kitchen. Can, yeah. Spilling, the kid's throwing stuff on the wall, you know, that kind of thing. She's, <laughs> And, look, and she can wipe off the cabinet and look, yeah, look how easily it wiped go. off. Yeah. Well, look, could have a man do that. <laughs> I um, don't know. You know, one, one last thing I want to hit uh, on the on the technology side because I've talked about the advancement. Yes, this was an important the chemistry slide. Can do. Um, but I want to talk because the application side, uh, wow, wow, had some cool stuff happen, right? So uh, for some reason, this stuff likes to wrap around uh, on wood uh, even more than it does on metal. Picture framing and all this type of thing, um, you know. And we we have the same issues with back ionization, the different defects. You know, I, I look at the, especially now that I'm looking at Facebook and and all the job jobber communities that are on there. And you know, you were talking about the wheels. You know, and I, I cry for these guys when I see a guy put up his wheel and, and, and it's it's got you know. You can see back on as they saw or something all over it. And it's like, and all of his buddies just tell me, I'm sorry, dude. Yeah. 
What happened? Question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some, some cool ideas to deal with that. Have happened, uh, a lot of times I just get tired because of the same question over and I'm like, oh, I'm not. Uh, somebody is, else it, can answer that one. <laughs> what cracks me up, though, is when, okay, the first guy sees its back ionization, right? So it says that's back ionization, do this, right? And then 50 more people will say back ionization, back ionization, back ionization. And then somebody else says, no, it's oil. No, oh, damn it. We've all agreed it's back ionization. Leave him alone. <laughs> Let him go fix it, you know? But that's, oh, it's, yeah. It's been fun. I've never really been active on uh, Facebook before. And I and, and it's simple. We got this out there. I, I, I got to go have a look, you know? So I've yeah. got like I've got like three friends, you know, but I am having fun looking at it and uh, commenting on. There is no lack of Facebook powder coating groups. It seems like every day there's ten more started, and I'm like, no, we don't need another Facebook group. We need a tribe. Uh, we need a place for all of us well, to go hang out. Any, hey, do you know of any resource where somebody could find jobbers in their community? <laughs> Oh, I like your sense of humor, Chris. <laughs> I think I need a glass of wine in, in Paris, France with you. You should have jumped on that. You should have jumped on that and said, oh, hell yes, I do. In fact, <laughs> but you got to throw in a commercial for that at some point here. Um, I, I need, yeah, tell me who your animator is. <laughs> Get right on that. Leave my animator alone. <laughs> Okay. Terrible. Uh, Didn't have the abuse like this. Aside, we've got a very serious, uh, we've got a very serious slide up here. So I'm going to let you finish it. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, and these are just as as applicable uh, to metal as wood. So I, I think I'll show them. But sure. Um, this, this, this is probably stuff. This is an old trick, right? Uh, if you're having too much wrap, ground a piece of metal, put it behind. The rather than wrap your your powder be drawn to that ah, rubber so it cap yeah it so goes it's a great it way to over it that's smart I like that I'm going to show that to Ross yeah yeah, yeah I, I invented that so oh actually no it's been around forever but you can't even buy a rubber bar because it, it's too easy to make one you just ground a piece of metal and put it behind yeah. your part right yeah but uh, it, it works great for like a batch process. If you know you're using it in a continuous operation, you're going to pretty often have to, to you know blow paint off of it and stuff. But but it's an effective way to do it. Um, uh, it's not super precise, but it works works really well if you if you're going yeah. to fatty edges, right? Definitely. But the the creme the creme de la creme is this counter electrode that the equipment side came up with here a few years ago. Um, this is such wonderful precision. Uh, well, let me explain it first. Okay, so your powder is giving a negative charge by the gun, right, in your corona field, mm -hmm. and you have your grounded substrate. And behind it here, what we've got is a bar with a, a pie that, that creates a positive field. Yes, yeah, so that's pushing back. Behind it, right? So when the negatively charged powder meets the positive field, it neutralizes, falls down, right? Yeah. This is so precise that if you can imagine the, I don't, can you even see my cursor? Yes, I can. So if you can imagine a line down this edge, it can, you can make it look like it was masked. Okay. It's that precise how you can move wow. that field in and out. So is right? it pushing back? 
or just neutralizing it? When you All say it's doing is neutralizing, it. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so there is another approach to this, right, uh, that with a negative field. Uh, that So you get negative, negative, they repel and go away. Um, I'm told that it works really well. I've not seen that. So, so you know, just intuitively, it doesn't add up to me a lot, but uh, I have seen this and, and it's it's amazing. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. the, just the visual really helps too, because everybody can relate to this uh, first, to the, the heaviness on the edges. In fact, Ross, I got a sample of it right here in my shop because Ross has got a lift kit, part of a lift kit. And I guess what they do is they buy these panels that go when they're the trucks are lifted so high, they got these panels and yeah. the panels mount uh, in behind the tire so that you don't see you don't see the the um, spring all dirty and stuff. It's like you can wash the panel and just see the panel. And uh, that's a, it's a flat CNC piece. And of course, all the edges are heavy. And of course, he's using a transparent. And you know, there's always troubles with pans transparency anyway. So mm -hmm. yeah. Anyways, so, so that's that's kind of spill. That's that kind of stuff we're doing. Spiel. I like yeah. your spiel. Yeah. I think, I hope you, I wish you the best because this is certainly innovative. Yeah, I know. Well, right, so there's a, there's a piece of plywood, right? With an oak fascia and it's powder yeah. coated, powder paint. Is that neat? me? If I was to hold that sample, the first thing I would look for is just how flawless the, the clear coat is, you know, that's just insane. And it's particularly flawless. Yeah. Yeah. I got like, look, there's a, there's a chair leg. The stain alternative on it. Yeah, and it's you got sunlight coming through your window, uh, so it's kind of just just. I can't get it to stop, but so this is like a, uh, yeah, this yeah. is. A, yeah, they've done some pretty cool stuff, but probably the coolest is the clear. I like I'll that clear coat. Makes all, yeah. all your problems go away. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, hey, well, thanks for, for having yeah. me on. Anything it's else great. I can try to clear up for you before we go? I love it. I think it's great. Um, I'd say let's uh, talk about where people can find you. Maybe share your email if they have an interest or phone yeah. number, wherever, wherever are you found. Yeah, I'm easy to find. It's uh, uh, pureclad at ifscuttings.com. Okay. In that web of a website. <laughs> it's a wonderful website. Did you get lost in it? We're uh, working on it. We're yeah, working. I probably could have gone to France and had a glass of wine. <laughs> you love you loved that. And then they would have, it would have, I would have found it. Yeah. You're talking about the animation again, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, we're going to make the most knock them dead animation after this that even you will have to approve. I right, know you yeah. are an animation snob over there in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get you where I can. Are you heading over? Are you planning on being at the um, Coder Week in April? I'm actually, yeah, I'm speaking. Are you speaking? Yes, I am. How come you didn't mention that? Uh, you know, I've, I've always been shamelessly bad at self-promotion, but yeah, I'll be speaking there. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And are you going to be talking about 
period? I am. I'm going to talk all about alternative substrates. So I get to hear this all over again. Oh, but you'll hear all <laughs> kinds of new stuff. But what I'm going to do now is be sure to include that animation in my presentation <laughs> there. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> oh, but listen, no, I, I, listen, I, I am uh, very happy to hear from anybody and, and talk about this stuff. I, I, uh, Maybe you can uh, use this video on your website instead of that animation. <laughs> I don't know, but we didn't have a cool little uh, British accent. You didn't because. Is that Fiona? No, I, I, I actually, oh. you know, if, if you like it, uh, I'd give Fiona credit, but if you don't like it, I'll be honest with you. I I, I pushed that. And I said I, it's got to be a a English accent lady, because if you look at all our like how many commercials do you see where you would never take the product seriously, and then they have a British accent, <laughs> and you go wait just a minute, wait just a minute, that guy's English. Only, think Amer I, only Americans think that. We do it. We do it big time. It's like, I've got to order that tea. That was an English accent, right? And, and I don't care what I it agree. is. But we have I, some I credibility. Agree. Yes. <laughs> and that was the marketing genius behind. The that is, no, that is the marketing genius of Chris Ray. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, like I said, I, if you didn't like it, I'll take the blame. But I, I got to give credit to Fiona. She's the one that does all this stuff. Makes, I thought that was Fiona. She, she makes me look good. And I don't appreciate, I mean, I she don't She makes everybody look good over there. She makes me better look, <laughs> look a lot better than I deserve, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so oh man, I didn't think I'd be laughing this hard through a podcast. What could be more exciting and, and compelling to talk about than alternative substrates and powder coatings? <laughs> yes. There you exactly. go. Exactly, exactly. I'm glad, right. glad, glad I could be entertained. Have a wonderful weekend. And uh, the will. rest of us, where it's cold, we'll, we'll just continue to envy you. So. Yeah, sounds good. I'll try to get this out as soon as I can. All right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good day. Bye-bye.